Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Video podcasting to you from the field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey. And this is Malby on the spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to talk to Jan Malby and glean from him the wisdom of his years as a Liverpool and Denmark legend. Let's hear what he has to say this week. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. I, uh, I hope you're well. Well is an exaggerated uh, term, Jan. I'm not 100% sure well would be the word. I'm confused my friend i'm very confused about what's going on and I, I wonder if you're in the same boat or if you're going to be able to lend us a little bit of clarity can we start with the, the big uh obvious elephant in the room which is this story about uh ownership and uh the one that was floated during the week um with much pushback and lots of counter narratives about how it was bullshit uh and then counter counter narratives about how actually there's something to it is the idea of the Qatari interest, um, and you know then we it went from that to a stake, and then it went from that to no that's not a proper rumor at all, and then people saying well why would anyone want a stake it doesn't seem to make any sense. Um, what's your sense of where we're at with this whole ownership thing? And I'm just going to frame it in one way if you don't mind, if we are to believe, actually, let's not believe anything. If we we're just to take at face value what we've seen and the way in which the information has come out and the statements from FSG, we are aware that Liverpool is for sale or partial sale. That has come from the owners themselves. They were the ones who made that known and they are the ones who have remained silent on it since. So we can only assume that it's still the case. Now, with that as a given, and I think some people forget that that is a given. Um, what's your take on the latest rumours, especially in the wake of hearing that some rich lad is going to buy Man United because <laughs> he's a fan? It's a bit of, you know, it, it's it's starting to stick in the craw a bit. It's dragging on too long yet. Well, the first thing I have to say, Trevor, is that 
I'm amazed that what we know for the fact is that two of the biggest football clubs on the planet are for sale. And I generally thought we'd have had more information. You know, I think that people who might be interested in persons either Liverpool or Manchester United also would have a quite an easy way into to, to the media uh, and they'd be dropping stories in and, and we'd be getting a clearer picture of what exactly is going on. We, we've heard nothing from both of them until this week, really. Uh, the Qatari one with Liverpool, uh, and I think this is how we read it at the time, that they're, they're owners of a, an elite football club. Uh, we don't make elite football clubs anymore. I didn't think they were overly keen on selling. I still thought that there were some legs in being owners of Liverpool Football Club and they were looking for a investment from outside. Uh, preferably, I guess, 10% to the tune of maybe 500 million. But who's going to jump at that? I don't know. But then we get the Qatarist over the weekend. Uh, and then, obviously, they wouldn't be interested in, in, in owning PSG and Liverpool because the two of them couldn't meet in the Champions League and things like that with, if they had the same owners. Uh, but then you think, with the rumours, and then what we know, could they be the ones who might be interested in, in, in taking 10% of, of Liverpool? Because a lot of Qatari business are doing it like that all over the world, you know, buying little bits and bobs here. And so, generally, I don't know. I'm an Anfield on Saturday for the, for the Chelsea game. I, I hope to be able to put my head together with one or two people who might know a little bit more, who might be in that line of business where it's their job to know what is also going on with the sale of the club. We tend to concentrate mainly on on the football bit and whatever, isn't it? But of course, this is a massive big story, isn't it? And it's it's one that we're in a situation now where we, we, we sort of get the feel that with FSG, if they're going to be our sole owners in the future, it's going to be hard work, isn't it? Uh, because of the way that they prefer to do things and this buy-to-sell thing, well, we're slowly running out of options in terms of sell, aren't we? Uh, so it's it's not something that looks viable to us, isn't it? So I can't really shed any more light on it, Trevor, apart from I am disappointed that we haven't heard any more. And really, it was from good sources that said that the owners haven't had any bits, really, that was that was worth answering the phone for, which, which, which is a worry, isn't it? That because the club is... Is that because the club is, is, is overpriced? Is, is, is that because of the terms, if you want to win 10, 20, 25%, is unattractive? I really don't know. Well, well, now you've said a mouthful there is that we don't and we are in the dark. And look, sometimes that's fantastic. And, and we've been the first to, to praise the club for doing things on the QT. Uh, the team had stopped leaking. We were doing business where people know the details of it. And I think that was all good when everything was working well but we have a situation now where every press conference is a little bit of a mini crisis uh in the last one jürgen decided to kind of roll with the punches a little bit and he was more open and humorous the previous one tonight was very spiky and defensive uh and it was pretty much the same questions being asked in both it's just he chose a different tack in how to approach them and in the first of those ones the ones where he was being spiky and defensive he was saying things like uh, the transfer market is not the place to fix our issues. And you could hear the majority of Liverpool fans screaming panto style at him. Oh, yes, it is. Uh, because it is. Because we can see the issue. Uh, we had a really glaring example when we played Brighton and they spanked us in a way that was embarrassing on so many levels. Uh, 
in the form of Caicedo, who we've been linked with, of exactly what it is that clearly Liverpool need. Last night, when um, they went out in the FA Cup against Wolves with a change in midfield full of actual midfielders playing in midfield positions, uh, uh, the young kid, uh, Basetic, um, and his uh, comrades on the night, really gave us a show of, well, actually, that's what a midfield looks like when you've got legs and energy and ability and willingness to press and all that kind of thing. And it, it looked transformative, Jan, and it's not rocket science. So it brings us full circle back to, well, if Jürgen can't rely on the guys that he has as senior pros to do this thing that that his style is reliant on, then obviously the transfer market is the, is the place to go. And I, I don't know about you, but I was hoping that we'd have at least one more to talk about you and I on this show. Uh, the, the, the Dutch boy came in, nobody really saw that one coming. It, it felt almost like a hijack in a way. But if there was uh, only a limited amount of funds available, it seems like a peculiar choice uh, on whom to spend those limited funds at a time when there is one glaring issue in the team. Does that make sense to you or am I, am I way off? No, it, it makes sense. But, but also Liverpool buying Gakpo makes sense uh, because that's who they wanted. He was almost next on their list. Uh, and, and, and they're very loyal to the list. You know, this is who we want. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense. It was the same what happened with when, when, when Diaz came to Liverpool also six months ahead of time. So they're very loyal to the people that they've been working on, the people they've been scouting. And of course, let's not be naive about it. They would have discussed that at great lengths uh, with, with the American owners and whatever. And they've gone, yeah, listen, whenever, this, whenever we need to press the button for this guy, we will do it. The plan is to do it next summer, but bah, 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 we end up doing it in January. But from a fan's point of view, you kind of go, should we have reeled that back in and gone, do we really need Gakpo now? Who also more and more look like a player who needs time. We can't expect everybody to come in and, and have the Diaz and, and, and shots to sort of impact from day one. So this boy looks like somebody who needs a bit more time. So something else, something else with a b- bit more energy would have made possibly more sense, isn't it? Uh, I'm not a fan in any way, shape or form of loan deals. I think there's some football clubs, they are too big to take players on loan, isn't it? But, you know, a something else would have been a better solution because we can just go through the eight or nine centre midfield players we have at our option, isn't it? And we can quickly narrow it down to, you know, and we're talking about whether these players are capable of playing against Manchester City, against Arsenal, against Real Madrid. Because that's our level, isn't it? You know, so there's no good saying, yeah, but they'll be okay against. No, they need to be be okay against the best, isn't it? And I think we can quickly draw, a, put a line through a lot of our midfield players and saying consistently at that level, no more. You know, and whether that's some of the older players who are running out of legs a little bit, or some of the younger ones that we look and think might not quite be at the, the level that's required, isn't it? So yeah, for the I'm not a fan of the transfer market either, Trevor. I'm not a fan of we praised him for a long time for the work that we did, you know, and how we always felt that we were just one step ahead, isn't it? Now we're two steps behind, and that's how quick it goes, isn't it? And two steps behind, Trevor, believe me, that's a long way now. When you say you're not a fan of the transfer market, do you mean in terms of we're in trouble, let's fix it in the transfer market now? No, Is that what you mean? No, in, in terms of the transfer market, the windows putting pressure on you, Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know where it's now January, 
and we know the pressure is going to come when really we could do it because it's not what we want to do, isn't it? So no, I, of course I'm a fan of the transfer market in that it's the only time, it's the only thing you can do to improve yourself in it. But I'm not a fan of when those windows put pressure on you because you're behind, because you're behind. Whereas for years we had a very chill uh, outlook on, on 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 the windows, didn't we? Because we were ahead. Uh, but that's no longer the case, is it? So it's it's kind of this. We're in January now. We have to do something, you know. And I don't like that type of pressure from the transfer market. It is right that we have to do something, isn't it? And because we only have two short windows to do it, and that pressure comes, you know. And one minute you're ahead of the curve. I was looking through. I don't know how you feel about this, John, but I was looking through this the other day on the back of Jurgen Klopp saying. Uh, one of my mistakes is I'm not too loyal to my players. He was adamant he's not too loyal to his players, isn't it? But I'm looking and I'm thinking of what we call our strongest eleven over the last five seasons. That would well that gives itself, doesn't it? You know, Allison, Trent, uh, Matic, Van Dyke, Robertson, whatever. Of those eleven players, only two have left. That's Vinaldum, who left because of contractual issues, and it's Sadio Mane who left because of other reasons, yeah. So technically, we haven't sold anyone out of our best 11. We haven't looked to replace any of our players out of that best 11. And then I look at our purchases in the last three years, Trevor. Which players have we actually bought in the last three years who was meant to come in and replace? We all bought them. We didn't buy Lewis Dears to replace Sadio Mane because Sadio Mane is the better player. And then you can look at you can look at look at all of them in and go, have we actually bought anyone that we felt that was better than we already had, or have we been buying for you know for more depth in our squad? Isn't it? so? Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It's, it's, we're at a situation now where we need to desperately buy better players than what we've got. You know, and I think yeah, that's a big yeah, challenge yeah, yeah. for Jürgen now. Those transformative signings, like the three that we got in six months where you get uh, Ali and Virgil and Fab, and all of a sudden the spine of your team has changed completely and you move up a level. Uh, and it, they're the type of signings you're talking about where, uh, sorry, lad, but I'm replacing you with this guy. And I'm replacing you with this guy. And that's exactly, I think you're right. It's those transformative type signings. We've been doing filler. And like we even saw a perfect example of it. Again, you were talking about the eight midfielders or whatever. But like we've been all, just because Jurgen has conditioned us to believe it, thinking of Harvey Elliott as a midfielder. And clearly you saw him last night as an attacker and, when he's either side there on, on one of the flanks with the with a with a central striker, the kid looked like he was having fun. He was really effective. 
it's exactly where I think we said last week we'd love to see him coming in and doing 15 minutes for Mo or on the far flank uh, and, and really getting his confidence built up that way instead of being pressured into doing a job that like he just doesn't seem to have the tools for and he may he may never because like you know again we have been thinking about him as a midfielder when, when he's not so it it is a real issue I don't see it being fixed now the way the the, the utterances that are coming from Kloppo. I have this feeling, and I, I think maybe I saw it being pushed out by one or two sources. I have this feeling that there may be an acceptance, Jan, of a kind of a write-off season. Uh, no one wants to hear that, but I, I wouldn't be awfully surprised if there's been some sort of high-level chat about, look, we do our best, but I understand you need these things here and we can really do with that there, but let's just work our way through this season, see what happens, uh, and we'll promise you funds for Jude or whoever the hell it is. And I saw someone as well linking us with uh, Bellingham and Nunes. This story came out during the week. Those two are pretty much done. Was this, you know, bullshit, yeah, you know. Those two are the two, and we're going to go for that. And I was like, oh, Christ. They're two wonderful footballers, but they don't fix the problem that we have in midfield. They just don't do it because, like, we need this sort of guy who could go and fill holes. We need a, a fab for when fab's not doing his work or isn't able to do his work or has fallen out of form. Like, we need a fella who can cut off channels. We need a Ginny Wijnaldum type. Not these two lads that are fantastic footballers, but not necessarily going to fix our problem. What do you think about that idea of we limp to the end of the season on some sort of proviso that he will be given this money in the summer. Does that sound like a deal that could even happen? Does do you buy into that? Sort of, like, is that is do you think that's something like a professional like your club could even accept? I wonder. I think he would find it difficult to accept it, uh, but I also think he's bright enough to understand how everything works. And I also think that if the owners have come to him or the CEO have come to him and said, "Listen, you know." This is where we're at, and this is how we best view that we can solve it. And we're flat out for Bellingham. I think Klopp can go, well, OK, I will try and do my best from now to the end of the season because he's very much a club man, isn't he? You know, he puts himself out in front, he defends the, the owners and, 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 and the spending or the lack of spending and whatever. Isn't he? So I do think that it's something that they could... And I wouldn't have a problem with that necessarily, Trevor. If you kind of go... I don't think... I don't think anything that we can get our hands on in January solves our problems mm. permanently. But I do think there's things we could have done in January that might improve things from now to the end of the season. Is it enough to get into the top four? It might have been if we'd assigned somebody on the 1st of January uh, and we might have been able to do something against the, the Brentford and the Brighton defeats. Uh, if we'd had another four points, it might have looked different in it. But it, the gap looks bigger and bigger and bigger. Having said all of that, we still got the Champions League. Real Madrid are no longer playing particularly well. So that gives you a bit of hope uh, doesn't it? My only problem is, Trevor, what solves our problems? Does quarter of a billion, 250 million, solve our problems if we invest that in midfield? And then we start midfield out. Are we then exposed elsewhere? Is there then other areas of the pits where you look and go, are we now exposed here? I'm more and more looking at this and thinking, yes, always get your midfield in order. You, you don't win games in midfield. But you win the rights control games. And control of games is is so so important. So I'm I'm starting to think that. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me 
and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. We spend 150, 170 million on two midfield players. Great. But how quick will our next 50, 70, 100 million pound problem appear? And that's, I'm starting to look at that and I'm thinking, and that's how quick football it is, each other. Four years ago, we sat with our feet up and done all our players, the right age between 22 and 28. You know, we're going to be where we're at forever, isn't it? And before you know it, this is where we're at, isn't it? So, yes, midfield, but where do we go after midfield? You know, you talk about Fabinho, Robbo, when does Robbo regain his, you know, enthusiasm for the game? He looks like he's run himself into the ground. Mo Salah, 17 goals. Uh, that's amazing in itself, isn't it? But doesn't look the player anymore, does he? You know, when does Darwin Nunes, who looks a very exciting player, but when does he put it all together? And becomes the player that's there, you know. I, I really, I really don't know, Trevor. Sometimes you look at the club, and I think they were right in 2018. And you mentioned the three signings we made. I think they knew that two or three signings makes this right. I don't know whether we're at that position now where you go two or three of the right ones makes this right. Yes, you can argue with all the youngsters. We got a lot of youngsters. Uh, you know, even like the likes of Joe Gomez and, and some of the ones who played last night against Wolves and whatever, isn't it? But are they the ones to carry us, Trevor? I don't know. Yeah, it's that's that's a very interesting point. Uh, it, it's it's tempting to look at the depth in attack and defence and say, well, if we can avoid injuries, we're doing okay there. Uh, of course, we still have to find out whether uh, this kid that we bought from Scotland can actually do anything uh, oh. in a full match. Uh, we know what what Simicus gives us. He's a he's a, a functional uh, replacement for Robbo. Uh, really delighted with the with the form of of, of our French centre back. I think it's great to see this kid like dominating games and being such a powerhouse there. That's exciting. If we can get Joe back rehabilitated, Virgil's there obviously. Like Joel Matip might be one who the club might look to move on because this is the other rumor. And Klopp alluded to it about sometimes you look at a player and you go, well, maybe it's time for us to go our separate ways or whatever way he phrased it. And you wouldn't be surprised to see quite a bit of hefty outgoings because, again, if it's still FSG, that's how they work. And so you'd be looking at lads who could likely be going and maybe Matip from the back for maybe the likes of Simicast even uh, uh, would, would be going on, a, on a, an up-and-comer bot. Uh, maybe then you look at midfield, Ox is a very likely candidate to move on. Uh, could Curtis Jones be up for grabs from some team? Uh, I mean, Milner, 
uh, will probably move on. Could Thiago possibly move on at this stage? It was a, I, I feel I kind of feel sorry for this guy. He's such a, a wonderfully gifted player, and he's just come at this sort of downward period in our in our in our trajectory. So there's a lot of potential there for moves. I, I you know. It's it's interesting to see, yeah. It's interesting to think about how the squad might be rehabilitated in the summer, but short term, it looks like nothing's going to happen. So, without getting into the details of the matches to come up, which we're going to go into, just your general take on looking at the season ahead. And by the way, kudos to you. You said last week about Brighton. There's nothing about this game, this fixture that I like. Uh, and Jesus, it couldn't have been more along the lines of exactly what you said, the way that they wish that would like to play, the current weaknesses that we were exhibiting, and it all came together in a grand old mess uh, and resulted in a very, 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 very sort of humiliating defeat. So when you think about that, and you think about the way things currently are, like we'll talk about the FA Cup game in a minute, rehabilitation, I don't know, uh, at least there was some decent football played. Do you think there's enough here uh, in this squad to challenge for fourth, I'm going I, I, I to preempt what you're what you're about to say because you've already hinted at it that there probably isn't enough. That gap is growing, yeah. It, it it doesn't look doable, does it? No, it doesn't. And and the big thing, and this is the one thing that generally in football uh, we're very good at making this mistake in that we tend to look backwards, don't we? And we're all waiting for Liverpool, and everybody's kind of scared yeah. of saying it, Andy. Because this team have been unbelievable. And people keep going back to it, but this is one of the teams in the Premier League capable of doing A, B and C. I'm not convinced that is any, that's the case anymore. I have the same problem with Manchester City. People keep telling me City will win the league and they'll put together 10 wins. I don't think this City, this season, will do it. I'm not suggesting it's over. I'm not suggesting Liverpool is over. But we have to pay more respect to what we're seeing. You know, what we're seeing with Liverpool is inconsistency. On top of that, we have two teams, Trevor. We have a team who play at Anfield, and we have a team who play away from home. Because our waveform is dreadful. So there's another problem, isn't it? And is that is that about to be put right? I don't think so. You know, I know that all this sounds very negative, but all the evidence of what I'm saying is out there for everybody to look at, isn't it? You know, the thing with we're very strong at home, we're very poor away from home, isn't it? We're vulnerable away from home. Uh, we play against dynamic teams. We're in big trouble, and that is a that is a fact, isn't it? So, based on that fact, I I can't see us putting together that run that will pressure the others. I just I just can't. Uh, so never happy, Trevor. Never happy. Even when I was a manager, sometimes you play games and you go, I don't mind losing this game today. It's a cup game or whatever. But in that ninety minutes, you don't ever want to lose, do you? In that no. 90 minutes of the game, you don't ever want to lose, is it? So as much as you say, blah, blah, whatever, you know, but I don't ever want to lose, isn't it? But I can, li- I can live with when we, could, when we get to the end of the season and we finish, and I'd probably rather we finish eighth than we finish sixth, you know, uh, because that Thursday night football is, is, is just, it's morally and mentally and physically draining and damaging, isn't it? Uh, so we're probably better without all of that, isn't it? But, I don't know, Tommy. It's kind of the first thing that we're... It's the first time we've ever been here, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And I, yeah, don't, yeah, think, yeah. I don't think anything is, is, is simply... Because also, again, look at evidence from other clubs. You know, what... When, when they start to get things wrong, 
Manchester United 2013 Charlotte's left this we're now 10 years on before they probably have a team again that's took them 10 years Arsenal 2004 we're now 19 years on I know they picked up a, a one or two cups in the meantime isn't it evidence of how difficult it, it can quickly become so we've still got Manchester City and we'll always add them and their wealth we've now got a manager at Manchester City at Manchester United who looks like he knows what he's doing and their buying is better than, than it's ever been we've got Chelsea wherever we think of Chelsea but it looks like they're investing in the future doesn't it they're buying so many young exciting players alright they've got to put it together and then we've got Arsenal with a ridiculously young team where you think it's another five years in them isn't it you know and before you know it Trevor you know so we 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 got to have a clear plan for the summer yeah get our skates on and, and get back in there so we still got a lot going for us isn't it uh, but I, I think in many ways it's quite interesting the fact that we can also be critical mm. and then we've got the, the, the sort of things behind the scene isn't it with with Edwards leaving and, and uh, Julian Ward now leaving at the end of the season as well isn't he you know these these are little things that has an impact on things you know I think that the the impact of those things is is massive. Uh, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it. I, I some of these days we should just do a show where uh, I just read to you some of the comments made by our fans on Twitter. I think it would amuse the bejesus out of Ian, to be honest with you. Uh, but if just the short term thing, I, I understand what you're saying. We're not catastrophizing here. The team could rally and we could get back on track, but we are currently 19 points off the top. That's the reality of it. Uh, and we're, I think, 11 points off Manchester United in fourth with the same amount of game plays. 11 points. And between us and United are Tottenham uh, and Brighton, who are flying. And uh, we've got Chelsea three points behind us. Uh, sorry, same level on points with us with a game more played. And we play them next. So this is what we're driving at here when we say it looks a difficult task. Uh but just to sort of bring it back on a kind of an upswing, do you think it is possible? You mentioned there, like, we, we need to have a plan for the summer. Do you think it is possible that we do a thing like a, like a Real Madrid sort of thing did, that, like they did last summer, and you basically almost replant the entire midfield? You buy a Chiumeni, you play Valverde alongside you take out those three guys who won all the trophies, you put in three more, like, go-getters of top quality say we were lucky enough to get Bellingham and we get a Nunes and we get a Caicedo-like player uh, and the engine room changes, I guess that could be enough to be transformative, right? That could launch us back into, you know, going for the league title again. Oh, absolutely anything is possible, Trevor. Absolutely anything is possible. Uh, if, if, I mean, obviously the main thing is being able to identify the players, get the players at the right time, get them when they still have their best years ahead of them, get them at the right price, get them into a wage bracket that suits what we do. I mean, Klopp was talking about Bellingham and he says it's, if it's about the money, he ain't coming to Liverpool, is he? But I think more and more we hear of Bellingham and his family, it won't be about money. It'll be about something else. It'll be about a sporting project, isn't it? Uh, so so I, I, for that reason, I, I mentioned to you last week, Trevor, isn't it? Still none of the journalists has been told to stop writing it because it ain't going to happen. They're still pushing the story and people are getting more and more excited about the business. So I, I wouldn't. So in terms of what you said there, no, it's all possible. It is absolutely all possible, isn't it? But 
we, we need to now come from being behind to being a step ahead, isn't it? You know, and, and, and that, that's going to be a big move. That's going to be a big ask. Uh, and, and, and I guess that's probably, the owners have probably recognised that. And the owners have probably thought, you know what we could do with? We could do with half a billion from somebody. Give us half a billion and we invest in the playing side, isn't it? And we're back, you know. I think half a billion would would put us where we want to be, Trevor, you know. That's we we don't it, need it. to sign. We don't need to sign seven, eight players. We need to sign three or four players in persistence where they're better than the ones we've got. Exactly. Those three or four transformative signings yeah. and your, your way again. And uh, like, it, it, I just, there's one other big question that I wanted to address. And we'll spend the second half of the show looking at the games that have been played recently and the ones that are about to come up. Uh, there was a lot of talk and it was sort of a dread. You mentioned earlier on Klopp will be asked directly, like, is he too loyal? There was a lot of talk about the potential for like, it is perhaps the voice gone stale, uh, all this endless waffle about Pep Linders being some sort of almost Lady Macbeth type figure whispering in his ear. And uh, Pep Linders was coming in for all sorts of pelters from uh, our fans, people looking for a scapegoat for what's gone wrong. It's all Linders' fault. He's he's the guy who's taking over tactics. Uh, Mo Salah's marooned out in the wing and so on and so forth. It's all Linders' fault. That was one. Do you think it is possible that Jurgen could do in a shake-up there in terms of his management team again, like we always saw. You mentioned Ferguson before doing on a regular basis. Uh, what do you think about the way that he deals with questions like that? Uh, the, the, what you've heard from recently in the interviews. I mean, it seems daft, almost impossible to ask the question, and yet we have to. It's fair to ask. Could he have gotten to a stage now with this group of players or possibly be feeding into it? He said very defiantly, uh, unless I'm asked to go, I will be going, which I think reassured a lot of us because most of us feel like he can build a new team. I, I feel he can build a new team, Trevor. I mean, and, and I don't think I don't think he's anywhere near where you think he's run his course. Uh, and I don't think he's anywhere near either with his staff because I, I, some managers, and, and Ferguson is one of them, what he used to do with his assistant was remarkable. But Ferguson relied on his assistants in a different way that Jurgen doesn't. They used to do the coaching. Alex Ferguson was a manager. He'd sit in his office, cup of tea, racing post, looking out the window. And he used to buy and sell players. So he was relying on them in a different way. Whereas Klopp isn't. Yes, I understand that Klopp allows Pep, the coaches, uh, he allows them to do a lot of work. But that's because he trusts them. But he also knows that if needs be, they can go and stand on the touchline again and he can take over himself because his strength, as part, part from the communication or whatever, isn't it? but his strength is always on the turning down, isn't it? So I'm not overly concerned about that. I think there's, there's always two type of managers, isn't it, Trevor? You know, and, and, and I think Klopp fits both. He, he could be a manager in terms of not doing anything on the turning down, but he could also be a, a, a head coach and do everything, isn't it? So no, I don't. I don't believe in all that. Uh, and I don't believe, although again, I have no evidence, I don't believe in seven years at Mines and seven years at Dortmund was in any way linked. Uh, the second time around, he might have scared Jürgen a little bit, you know, where he's coming towards the seven years at Dortmund and then all of a sudden from nowhere he's gone, I'm out of here. 
you know, at the end of the season, I'm leaving, isn't it? But, but I, I think if he thought that he'd made any mistakes or he'd been in any way responsible of driving the coach that way, he would have made sure he didn't make them same mistakes at Liverpool. Because the one thing we keep saying, this is a fucking bright boy. You know, Jürgen is an intelligent manager, so he wouldn't have made the same mistakes again. Yeah, he does seem to be one of those guys who does hold himself accountable as well, which is always nice because at least you know you're dealing with honesty there uh, from whoever you're talking about. Let's just have a quick flashback to some of the recent games. We'll we'll pick two for contrast in the two most recent. Uh, did you get to see Brighton up close and personal, Jan? Were you at that game? Close, close, close enough to other. No, I wasn't at that game, but. Close enough, yeah. Fucking close enough, yeah. So, I've referred to it now in a bit of a dismissive way as embarrassing and all the rest of it, and maybe that's a bit of a fan's perspective. But it did feel a bit that way. It did feel so inevitable. Uh, It was quite embarrassing uh, to watch us be carved open again and again, to have no answer to that, Uh, and to be quite toothless ourselves. So, there was a lot to be critical of in that performance. Jurgen referred to it as the worst game of his time. I was trying to think of one that made me feel worse as a Liverpool fan. And you probably have to go back to the uh, one of the last games of Rogers' tenure. I think it was Stevie's last game where we get t- tonked by Stoke. Was it six one five one something like that? And that was grim. Uh, the game again under Rogers where we went just sort of limply out of the Champions League to Real Madrid with a really dodgy team that he put out. That was a, a low point as well. Obviously, a lot of the, the Hodge era uh, was 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 rough stuff as well. Poor old Hodge had a, had a, it was a dark period. But we're not used to these kind of things under Jurgen. We're just not, it's, it's, as you said many times, this is a total new departure for us in this show. Like, how did you, how did you sort of, put that right in your head as you were trying to put, think about it in the aftermath. How do you explain that away, or can you, in a performance like that? It's difficult, Trevor. And the, the, the one thing that I don't like about it is that I think a lot of us expected this. And I think possibly even on the coach going to Brighton, there was people on there. and. Still, there was nothing we could do about it. Even when we got to half-time at nil-nil, having been more or less played off the park anyway, but still nil-nil, even at half-time, there was nothing we could do about it. It was, it was written in the stars that that's what's going to happen. I think it was only a case of how bad will it get. You know, and I think it was psychological. I think it was psychological for a lot of us, including fans. Uh, so that in itself for me is a little bit of a worry, isn't that? You expect, I, I like it a bit too. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package 
which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. When, when, when I got sacked as a manager of Hull, we played a game on a Saturday, I knew my time was up. On a Thursday, I was still there. You know, and it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? In the end, I just went into the chairman and went, just get it fucking done. And it felt a bit like we got to Brighton on Saturday, got off the coach and went, let's just get this out the fucking way. You know, yeah. because this, this, there's nothing about this game I think we can be able to, there's teams you can play against and teams you can't play against. And at the moment, we're not very good at playing against Brighton. That's just the fact they've scored six times against us this season. That could have possibly been double figures in, in the way that they, they, they opened us up, isn't it? So, I think it was as much a, a sort of a psychological thing, isn't that? You know it's coming. You, you can't do anything to stop it. You know, everybody's trying desperately, you know, overplaying. And, and it, it was just, it was just meant to happen. And I don't know whether, and this thought has just come to me now is now, I don't know whether that sometimes is that this has to happen for the rest of it to happen and the rest of it might improve because of it. I don't know, Trevor. I don't know. But having said all of that, I'm not a fan of the inconsistency I've seen this season. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'd like to lean into that. Maybe that's, you know, the final kick in the arse type of thing. <laughs> I don't know that I have a great amount of hope about that. However, to try and lift it a bit, Jürgen then went and restructured things last night. And uh, it was a very interesting side that he put out uh, in the uh, FA Cup. Uh, with a very positive result, a, a, a cracker of a goal from uh, Harvey Elliott, but some really good, the best way to say it is, typical Liverpool Klopp era football being played, which was lovely to watch. Pressure, uh, when they had the ball, uh, cohesiveness when we had it, uh, high tempo, uh, incisive passing, uh, opportunities being carved out. It was a bit of a joy to watch at times, Jan, and, 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 and much needed, I think. So, yeah, I was at home, Trevor, watching on TV. And, you know, when the, uh, the, the, the guy from Sky asked Jürgen before the game, so, Jürgen, you made eight changes. What do you think of behind that? If that had been Clough, I'd have said, I'll tell you what it is. I don't want to go to fucking Brighton again. That would have been my answer. <laughs> 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 I'm not going there again. Anyway, uh, I thought we would, I thought we'd be weak in the replay compared to the team that we played in the first game. Uh, we just managed to get over the line. There was a lot of good things. Yes, it's easy to point to the fact that they had more possessions and we did maybe didn't carve out as many chances as 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 we would have liked. But nevertheless, we we we've gone to a Premier League club and we've beaten them. And I think some of the players didn't do themselves any harm. There was very quickly a certain amount of freedom in the way that we play, you know, that we haven't seen. And you mentioned before Thiago with a bit of legs around him. But even, you know, James Milner coming in the right back, he gives you 
he's not Trent, he's not when near Trent, uh, you know, but he gives you something else, isn't he? He gives you a certain amount of stability and, you know, that narky, scrunchy face he's got, isn't he? You know what I mean? But that's also, there's a place for that, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because it's accepted of him, isn't it? You know, that's what we expect of James Milner. So I thought there was a lot of things and I have to come back to the, you know, you talk about Pep Liners is, 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 is getting a little bit of thing, finger pointing and whatever. Well, that used to be John Acterberg, didn't it? Our goalkeeping goals, everybody used to say, yes, yeah. Clint. You know, and I had to come back to that boy who played against last night, Keller, you know. He, he just looks a real goalkeeper, doesn't he? Yeah. He's so calm, isn't he? He's so good with his feet, isn't he? You know what I mean? So I thought there was a lot of positives. I, I fear because I love having a, 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 a compatriot at Liverpool. Liverpool should always have at least one Irishman, it seems to me. Uh, and I, I, I fear that Quivian might be our most saleable asset in the summer, you know, Jan. I think people are going to be looking at that guy and saying, Jesus, he doesn't put a foot wrong. He's got so many strengths. Uh, I think someone would take a punt on him for biggish money. Uh, what do you reckon about that come summertime? I think we discussed it before, Trevor, um, and, and we said that's going to be the biggest problem. It's going to be his his need, his desire to play games. There is number twos and number threes goalkeepers in the world who know that if you want to be in the Premier League, you'll never be anything other than number two or number three. This boy knows that even in the Premier League, I will be a number one. Champions League, I'll be a number one. That's going to be our biggest problem. That's That's a real... Yeah, it's a real problem, isn't it? Could, could we take a flyer and and, 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 and and sell the older goalkeeper and keep the younger one? I don't know. But he looks a good goalkeeper. Maybe, maybe some sort of a, a, a buyback clause or something. Who knows? They might be able to work something out there. Uh, the guy I want to really focus on is the guy that everybody focused on after the game uh, to an extent that I, I think was possibly overkill. Uh, I didn't see one pundit one journalist, one big Twitter account who wasn't all over Stefan Batic in the wake of his performance. But it's very understandable that they would be because it was outstanding. In terms of the poise of it, Jan, that's kind of the word I always try to figure out or use because, you know, from watching kids that I'd coach at different levels uh, stand out at underage football, they're the guys that have an extra half a second. They make the pitch look as if it's massive. He does that. He looks like he can take the ball in any position, a bit like Thiago, if you will, and not be intimidated. It's a big, big, big deal. And then when he does go to execute a pass, tends to be crisp, tends to be uh, directly defeat. He has a lot to recommend them, doesn't he? But the reason I'm building it up is... A lot of people are saying, yeah, get him in the team. Uh, because he's a, 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 a proper midfielder, I wonder, do you think he could do a job alongside Fabinho? Because I don't see Klopp dropping Fab, even though that would appear to be Stefan's best position. Uh, do you see him being shoehorned into the team on the back of that performance and his other good showings? Wow, Trevor. Uh... I mean, instantly, and, and, and you made a good point there, in that you look at him and you go, what is it? I'll tell you what it is. He knows the game. He knows how to play. Drops his shoulder, gives himself all the time and the space in the world, isn't it? You know, and you've got other people 
in midfield who can't find any time or space to do anything. And, and he just finds it himself, doesn't he? It's second nature. It's a gift. It's a bit like scoring goals. You just got a feel for it. You go bang, bang, bang. You've got all the time in the world. And people go, put him on the press. You can't. Too clever. Uh, is he ready to play? Possibly. Possibly. Will he? Highly unlikely. Uh, you know, I. The, my big thing at, at the moment is that Henderson and Fabinho together almost looks like a no-no at the moment. Uh, I think we we, we we just lose too much, isn't it? So your point then that could he then come in and play as an eight? I'm not really concerned he couldn't play as an eight. I think he could play as an eight. Uh, that would he would have absolutely no problems. I also think we we saw that when he came on against Aston Villa in a further forward role, how how comfortable he coped with that, isn't it? So uh, Willie, that's the big question, isn't it? Willie, you know, Willie, 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 Willie. Ah, we'll see when we get to the end, Trevor. Talk about the Chelsea game eh? and what club might or might not be. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I have a, I, I'd like, I'd love to see him play with Thiago and Fab, be eased into it that way, uh, see how that goes. Uh, it'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, there was rumours at the start of the season that things weren't exactly great between Fabinho and Klopp. That, the, that kid's form hasn't been tremendous. It's going to be a really interesting one to watch, especially if he keeps putting his hand up like he did and showing like he did. We should look ahead then to the big game, the one you said you're going to be at, which is... Uh, the Anfield game, half 12 on Saturday against uh, Chelsea. This will make or break the weekend for most of us, if we're being perfectly honest, uh, the way it's 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 uh, being, uh, being uh, structured there, that we have a lot of weekend after it. So hopefully it can be a good result for us. Now, look, Chelsea are tremendous fun for those of us who do podcasts about transfers because, holy shit, they are just throwing money at the wall. With Todd Bowley, they seem to have a guy whose approach to the transfer market is, what are other clubs doing? Who are they watching? Right, let's give them more money and get that player. Honest to God, it's like he's copying homework. It's remarkable to watch. And they've gotten so many lads over the line, a plethora of new signings. They're still only level on points with us with a game more played. Their last outing, they did beat Crystal Palace 1-0. But they lost 2-1 to Fulham before that. They lost 4-0 to, to, to City in the in the FA Cup third round uh, and 1-0 to City in the uh, league before that. Uh, drew one all with Forrest before that. And you've got to go back to the 27th of December when they got their last win, which was a 2-0 home win against Bournemouth. And the one before that, Jan, was a 1-0 defeat at Villa. So they And, and before that, a 1-0 defeat at, Chelsea, uh, at, at Newcastle. They are on a really shitty run, uh, despite all their new players. Uh, just to have a look at the most recent eleven that they put out, which was against Crystal Palace, the lineup that they had that in, in that game, uh, if it will ever just render from here. This is the joys, Jan, of uh, podcasting from the field. Your signal is not always fantastic. Uh, yeah, that doesn't want to come up for me. So I'll just, re- regardless of it, th- that run of, of fixtures, uh, run of results, it speaks to a team that really hasn't got its act together yet, uh, that doesn't obviously have that kind of cohesiveness yet. They have all the players in the world, like superstars. There's already rumours that they might be moving on Sterling. 
it feels a bit like chaos at Chelsea. I'd say it's quite exciting chaos for lads who are starved of signings like us, but chaos nonetheless. What do you make of them as as a side? Do you see any plan emerging now? Well, the plan I see is that it's very much for the future. I mean, they're signing young players and they're putting them on uh, lengthy contracts that has not been seen uh, since Alan Pardew was the manager of Newcastle, you know what I mean? And they gave him that eight-year contract, you know what I mean? So that in itself is probably exciting, isn't it? Uh, as a, a club that negotiates, I think they've almost lost their right to negotiate in the future, isn't it? Because clubs are just going to make them pay. You know, there's going to be no wiggle room for, for, for Chelsea anymore. Uh, I think it's a nightmare club to be at right now for the manager. There's been a lot of noise since the new owners come in. He's got all sorts of plans with this revamped the stadium or a new stadium, buying loads of players, getting rid of loads of players. He was a sporting director himself for a while. He's now given up that role, isn't he? He's got probably another quarter of a billion in his pocket burning a hole. He wants to spend it, you know. I think it's going to take quite a bit of time before uh, we get to where Chelsea will be able to move forward again. Uh, when they be able to move forward again, if they got it right with all these young players, they're going to be a formidable force. Uh, but I do worry a little bit about them. I do, actually. And I look even this season and I'm thinking, what possessed anyone to pay £62 million for Kukurea left back from Brighton? What was the point in Ryan Sterling? Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, all these, these old mistakes that they now have to rectify, isn't it? And now they sign all these players on top, isn't it? So, you know, I guess what we're coming up towards 450 million, Trevor, since the owner took over, isn't it? We'd like a bit of that. And I would like to think that, but we can't be 100% sure, but I'd like to think we might have spent a little bit better. If I haven't said all of that, I don't know where Chelsea's going to be in 18 months' time. It's very interesting because, like I said, the, the, he, the, this... The technique does not seem to be the most sophisticated. Uh, Arsenal were linked incessantly with Mudrick. Uh, and then all of a sudden Chelsea just gizzled them. Like a lad who's going around with a big lump of money in his pocket uh, and waits to see what the top offer is on a house and then just goes, here's, here's 10 grand more, I'm having it. Uh, so they're throwing their weight around uh, under Todd Bowley. Uh, Financially, at least, as you said, it's an, a, an enormous amount of money that's been spent. But I guess, I, I suppose what I'm trying to think is, can you imagine if Liverpool were in that position, having outlaid and shelled out so much money? I think the press would be going mental. They seem to be almost getting a pass because they're so entertaining because they keep creating stories for the press to write about another new player, another new player, another new player. Like... Again, the question is, do they have a football identity that's emerging at all? I mean, or is it just, is it just literally, let's gather all the the, the shiny new objects? Like, I I can't really see one. And that list of results that I read out to you, it's pretty miserable. It's horrendous. The run of results is horrendous. And also, if you look at, they took Shao Felix on loan, uh, and there was a lot of, Hulabaloo in the press over the, the, the loan fee that they paid. Uh, then they signed Mudrick. Two players are playing similar positions. Positions where they've already got Pulisic, Sterling, CA, Mount can play there, Hudson Odoi. I know he's out on loan, but they've got enough options. They've got no striker. They can't score goals. So let's sign another two wide attackers who 
you know. So it doesn't make any sense. Eventually, I think the owner will kind of think we've now got what we want. Uh, but at the moment, I think he's just going to be buying and buying and buying and buying. And then at some stage, they're going to be selling, 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 and then they're going to go, Graham, this is what you've got. Because I do think that Graham Potter is very much part of the future. They wouldn't have gone through the lengths of getting him out of Brighton, taking a backroom staff with him, giving him a five-year contract, and then kicking him out because of run of results that's being caused by a number of issues, and it's not all his fault, isn't it? So it's a very entertaining club. Uh, I guess the fans are, to a certain extent, writing off this season, I think. I think they'll be writing off this season, but I think they're excited for the future. Yeah, I, I guess that's where his goal was, was when you consider they have Potter there, who's very famous for imposing a certain identity on a team and, and, and being consistent with it. Uh, but even like the signing of Badashile, who's apparently a left-sided defender, and how many of them have they got? It's just, it, it, it is an embarrassment of riches, and maybe you're right. Maybe it is a little bit like we were saying earlier on, that concept of, a, okay, just take this season, do what you can with it, bed some guys in and see who emerges and put your team together. Who knows? But it leaves us with a very interesting uh, clash because we've got a Liverpool team who are, you know, miles off what they're supposed to be. Uh, we can't read too much into that FA Cup uh, performance as a resurgence, but we haven't been quite as awful as Chelsea. But look at where we are at the table. It's pretty much neck and neck in terms of points. We're both miles off the top. What did I say? 19 points off the top. Ridiculous situation. Uh, it, it could be a tremendous amount of fun, this game. Uh, if we're going to embrace this idea of the season as a bit of a wild card now, we have one uh, little, uh, as Liverpool fans, we've got one little area of blind hope that maybe something can come together in the Champions League and we could rescue something glorious out of this season. But in terms of the league, we just kind of have to roll with the punches now. And I find myself now looking forward to this game in a way that I probably wouldn't have been if things were like really tight, nip and tuck at the top of the league. So I feel as if maybe uh, there might be enough feel good at Liverpool in the wake of the of the of the FA Cup win that we might be able to do enough to get over the line here. And again, we're a home team, as you mentioned this year, very much so. So for me, that would hopefully leave us as possibly even favourites for this game, despite all the wealth of 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 of, of riches that that, that that Chelsea have to draw on. But who cares what I think? What do you think in terms of how do you think this game will go? We, we are favourites, and I think we will win the game. Uh, another thing, you talk about the run of results, Chelsea. They've also got a number of injuries that 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 is really hurting them at, uh, at the moment. Uh, they have no identity. You mentioned Graham Potter before, an identity. I am actually amazed that I haven't seen more of Graham Potter football. But then again, of late, I don't know. Being a Brighton is one thing, and that goes for players as well. Same thing for players. Being a Brighton is one thing, and then being somewhere else is a, is a totally different thing, isn't it? Uh, he will come, you know, Kai Havertz up to Mason Mount will 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 play. Uh, take your pick. I mean, he's still got a lot of players to pick from, isn't it? I think they'll go with a with a flat back four, uh, whether he plays Cucurella left back or the young boy Hall, who's, who's who's done okay, but he looks more like a wing back to me, not that great defensively. Whether he'll uh, chance that to play up against Mo Salah, yeah, I'm not so sure. But no, I think we'll have enough to beat them. Love it. And scoreline, you got a feeling for it? 
Yeah, I've got a feeling we might beat them 2-0. And we did promise the, the listeners before in terms of the midfield. I think Cato will, will probably start in midfield uh, alongside Thiago and Fabinho, unless he gets injured in training before Saturday. Yeah, probably whisper that one and touch one as you're doing it. Uh, we should wrap it up. Uh, taking you around the houses as usual. We've got through a lot today, Jan. Appreciate that very much. Uh, lots to talk about. It's a different tone and tempo of show for sure. But it's enjoyable uh, because of that, I think. And uh, People have very much been appreciating your take on things and sit there waiting for it. Lots of very positive comments about uh, in the Discord about... Uh, you as a player as well. Holy, holy God. Uh, some great, great uh, tributes, shall we say, uh, to Jan, the footballer, as well as Jan, the pundit. So, as ever, thanks very much, man. No, no problems with me, man. It's, it's, football is a great game, isn't it? It's a great sport, isn't it? You know I mean? You just never know quite where you're at. And what I'm one of them at the moment, isn't it? You know I mean, every time you play a game of football, you're running the risk of getting beat. And, and, and I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You know I mean? There's always that there's always that edge to it, isn't it? You know what I mean? But Saturday, I'm out Saturday afternoon with some friends who come home from Wales. My brother's come home from Denmark. We're going to be celebrating, Trevor. We're going to be celebrating. <laughs> yes. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, that was Jan Mulby. I've been Trev Downey. We'll be back next week for more Mulby on the spot. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.